All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, welcome back. My name is Tom, tenants of Melbourne Convo, City of Love, and today, beautiful day in Melbourne. I have Shane. Now, Shane, you want to say hello to our 50 million friends? Yes, hello everyone from、uh, Tennis Melbourne. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Tom.、Um, it's、uh, obviously a great time in Melbourne to be finally back on the courts、um, after the ten and a half week lockdown that we've had.、Uh, so thanks for very much for inviting me. Okay, so Shane, earlier this morning I reached out to you.、Um, were you coaching this morning? I actually was. I started yesterday,、um, so I know the last few days have been very tricky in terms of getting through all the red tape,、mm-hmm. uh, dealing with all the different organisations.、Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, as of today, I'd say most coaches in Victoria, in Melbourne, Metropolitan Melbourne, are back on the court.、Um, I was lucky enough to start yesterday,、um, but certainly I would hope that most. Coaches, so nearly all, all coaches in Metropolitan Melbourne are back on the court as of today. If you have to say one thing as a coach, what did you miss the most? That when you first,、um, what's the word? Feeding the ball.、Um, good question.、Um, I think I probably just missed the whole interaction of being a club coach, dealing with everybody, all the coaches that you see,、uh, and all the pupils that you see on, on a daily basis. My three kids all play competitively. They all love their tennis, and、um, it's been tough for them to not be able to go down and play、um, at the club.、Um, it's been, you know,、uh, for me from a fitness point of view, I've, I've coached for a long time, and it's a great way for me to keep up my fitness. I've certainly missed that.、Um, so there's probably not one thing in particular,、um, and I think it's probably just the overall thing that we, we, we've all missed.、Um, you know, and、uh, you know, watching your show, Tom, I've seen, I've, I've seen how you know. Frustrating it's been for players, for juniors, for coaches to, to, to not be able to get back on the court. So let's let's just hope that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Now,、um, when you were coaching the players, you know, the last forty-eight hours,、um, what did you find most interesting about their technique? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. You know, you just got to keep it light and fun.、Um, everyone knows that you know they haven't played for a long time. You don't really want to dwell on the fact that you know they're probably not going to be where they were. I think you just got to take it slowly, incrementally, and say, okay, well, look, you know, we haven't. I haven't played for a long time. I, I played today, and I've got a blister on my hand. That hasn't happened in a long time. I just haven't had a racket in my hand. So you just got to take it slowly and say, look, you know, we're back on the court. You're probably not going to be as where you were, but. Um, we have been through this before,、um, so just take it gradually, take it slowly, be positive. You know, at the end of the day, tennis is a fun game, so let's let's、mm-hmm. capitalise on that.、We'll、keep it fun, keep it light,、mm-hmm. and then as we as we you know as we get into it, then we'll look a bit more closely at the technique,、um, you know, and, and working a little bit on what everyone needs to work on. But to start with, it's probably more just about getting back into that environment, getting back into that mindset of playing tennis for the fun of it,、um, and and working on your game and getting better. Nice. Now I've got a little、um, interest. When you say the blister, now as a coach, do you get blisters while, like, cause do you just grow your blisters, or do you condition it or manage it, trim it, and is that how how you keep that?、Uh, what's the word? Firm grip. Yeah.、Um, oh, look. It's it's happened a couple of times when I played tournaments. I played a lot of tennis,、um, but you know any coach will tell you you know you, you just kind of get used to it and they grow into a you know into a callus and and you know you've got a racket in your hand every day so your body just gets used 
just gets used to it. Um, so for me, that's a good problem. <laughs> oh, good problem. So, so, so are you saying in the last hundred days that your bliss is kind of saying, "Hey, Shane, you know, what am I doing here on your hand? You know, if you if you're not going to use me, I'm just going to jump off. You know, and then did, did you um, end up having less blisters in the last hundred days during the lockdown, or did it just come off or become soft? Um, yeah, look, I've never had, like, any, any coach will tell you, you know, you, you, you don't really get that, you know, unless you're playing like Nadal does um, at that kind of competitive level. If you're coaching day in, day out, you just, your body just gets used to it. Um, so, and I think that's probably what every coach is probably feeling today if they're on the court. Their body, they're not used to doing what they used, you know. Uh, it's been 100 days where they haven't really been on the court. So just, you know, even just basic drills and that sort of thing, they haven't put their bodies in that sort of situation. I hit a few serves and my shoulder was, you know, saying... You know, you know, I haven't done this for a while, so I thought, well, I'll just start off nice and slowly. Mm. Um, and I think everyone will just, you know, I think that's probably the thing to learn from from this lockdown is you just got to start back slowly. You don't want to get injured and be out for however long. Start mm. off slowly, get used to it. Um, you know, don't go too hard too early. Um, and just kind of gradually get back into it. Now, in my personal experience, when I when I come back in, you know, just having it, because I don't hit as often like most people, listeners do, and when I get back, one of the first things I'm not proud of is when I go for this first serve, especially, it will hit the frame and the ball will land somewhere in the car park. Has it happened the last few two days? <laughs> Um, no, it hasn't, but I haven't been serving that, that, that hard, but I, I completely, I, I get exactly where you're coming from. And, um, you know, it, it's about those little things, you know, when you're playing a lot of tennis, the ball becomes bigger, it's like a watermelon. When you don't play as much, it, it's probably about the size of a golf ball, and that's probably where everyone's at the moment, it's, you know, the tennis ball's probably the size of a golf ball, so, you know, hitting the ball in the middle of the strings, um, you know, moving to the ball, all those, all those things, it's going to take time, but, um, no, thankfully I haven't broken any windows. <laughs> okay, just some on the fun side, uh, when you were coaching, were, were there any uh, embarrassing moments as a coach, like, you know, rocking up, forget the rackets, or the string is broken, or had different shoes, or any fun stories that's on top of your head? Uh, from the, from the, like this year, you mean? Especially oh. from uh, from lockdown, or yeah, or is it in your coach? Is it in your coaching career? Were there any any uh, fun stories you would like to share? Um, oh, gee, off the top of my head, that's a that's a tough one. Um, uh, look, I've had you know a million different experiences on on the tennis court. Um, most of them, you know, really positive. Um, you know, as a player and as a coach, um, I suppose this time last year I was in Miami playing in the um, ITF 45 and over um, World Team um, Championships, um, and I sort of think back. You know, that was exactly a year ago, and oh. you know, um, obviously that's kind of um, you know the world today is, is completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Miami, Miami, Florida with the Australian team. We had an unbelievable. Um, you know, experience. We finished fifth um, um, out of all the countries, um, which um, and I'd never been to that level before. And I, I was planning to go this year, to Croatia, um, in the same team, and really looking forward to it. Um, but then you put that in perspective, and you think, well, you know, at least I'm back on the court. Um, I'm back, you know, um, you know, doing what I want to do. Um, back with a job. Um, and so certainly this year's probably put things certainly in perspective yeah. uh, from that from that point of view. So that's probably the, the you know in terms of the last you know period of time that's probably the most memorable thing that I, that I've experienced. So Shane, were you were you like? 
top five, top ten in the country when you were juniors? Um, probably not. Um, I, I was lucky enough to get a college scholarship to go to America, and I graduated um, from a college in uh, Tennessee, uh, and then I went and played semi-professionally, and I played, you know, all the way through. Um, so I wasn't at that high level as a junior. I suppose I just kept with it and was lucky enough to get a scholarship, and now I played a lot of tournaments. And, um, you know, tennis, yeah, to all the listeners, obviously, um, it, it's certainly um, something that at the moment, we can't travel, but certainly um, from the point of view of you know career and, and that sort of thing, um, does give you opportunity, hopefully soon, um, to travel all around the world. Mm. Now, um, if you can give yourself a junior self, you know, uh, between 13 to 16, what's one tip you'll give yourself? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Tom. Um, and... Um, I see a lot of kids with a lot of potential, um, probably between that age, um, probably drop off a little bit too early. I think uh, tennis is a kind of sport, you know, you look at John Millman, you know, just hung in there. Um, you look at Wayne Arthur's just hung in there for a long time. If you can hang in there, obviously there's a lot going on between those years. If you can just hang in there, be resilient, um, you know, just keep improving, keep developing, um, you might surprise yourself. Because uh, I do see a lot of kids at that level um, get discouraged, which is very easy to do. Um, but it's just one of those things where the coach has to say, look, you know, um, everyone's going to have some bad losses. If you can just hang in there, um, you know, you might surprise yourself. And just because you lose to somebody one day doesn't mean you're going to lose to them the next. Hmm. Wow. Well, speaking of coaching, what would you say one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Uh, yes, I, um, look, there's probably not a, a great deal of difference. I suppose, um, you know, so, uh, coaching really is communication and it's really knowing the player and it's treating every player differently. There's so many, you know, different learning styles. I guess I've got a bit of an advantage having a teaching background is that I try and understand, you know, what's the best way to help somebody improve, what's the most effective way of communicating with them, regardless of their age and standard. And it's also being able to coach at their, at their level, at their individual level, um, you know, and regardless of what their standard is, um, they can always improve. And it's important for the coach to let, you know, a student know that, regard, you know, and, and that doesn't, you know, depend on their, on their standard. Um, you know, you can have a great coach for, for one player. I think it's important just to know the student as well as you can and find out what's the best teaching method or methods um, and... Oh, and also, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to be really super positive. Mm. Look, I can tell you just by the way you you interact with me on the phone, it was just already super positive. Like you said today, um, you're available between eleven to three. Does that mean after three o'clock you got I don't know three five sessions with the squads, or are you still are you will be will you be back on the court? Uh, yes, I will. I will. So I'm, I coach at Eagle Tennis Club, so, uh, you know, being the first day back, it's pretty busy. Everyone's excited. Um, that's also balanced with all these regulations that you've got to abide by in yeah. terms of how many students you can have on a court and how many, you know, people you can ha even have at a facility. Hmm. Um, and different coaches are working through that at the moment. It's not particularly clear. Um, it depends on the council as well. So there's a lot going on. So, you know, it's not just a matter of stepping back on the court. You've got to have your COVID safe plan. You've got to 
have your QR code. Um, we do, we have a Facebook, um, you know, booking for the for the members. So there's a lot going on um, that people wouldn't see, um, you know, that happens off the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, yeah, I'm, I'm back in the court this afternoon, um, and it's looking like it's a good day. It's not going to rain. Yes, beautiful day, beautiful day. Now, um, I, when, when people say they miss tennis, I'm going to be a little bit um, uh, hypothetical here, sort of like the, the intangible side. When you when when people say I miss tennis, and let's just say forget about hitting the ball, like actual hitting the ball, getting on the court and slide. That's the physical side. What do you think the, the the mental side of when people say I miss tennis? What do you think that means? I think a lot of it's the social, just seeing you know playing playing you know seeing players in your team, playing against um you know you know your practice partners with uh, with your your coach. I think a lot of it's just that social interaction. Um, I read somewhere you need to see six eyeballs a day in order to you know create you know in order to maintain a healthy kind of mental state you know not many people have seen six eyeballs a day so I think it's just getting back in that idea of you know just communicating just you know and that's why you know kids are obviously grateful and their parents are grateful to be back at school so I think I think a lot of it's just being in that environment where you know the people you're comfortable you're safe um, you know, some might be your rival, some might be your, your, might be your doubles partner, might be your doubles partner. Um, it's just being around those people that no one's been around for the last, yeah, um, for the last ten and a half weeks. Nice. Now, apart from tennis of Melbourne Convos, <laughs> there were US Open and Roland Garros. Um, which one did you watch more? I've always liked watching the French Open more because, um, you know, similar to undercard, they're, they're longer rallies. Um, you get a better idea of players and their shot selection and how they're setting up points. The rallies are longer. Um, you know, there was a match between Hubert and team, which I found really interesting. Um, Hubert was 200 or something in the world and, um, you know, took the team to five sets and mm-hmm. he must have hit 75 drop shots in the match and he nearly beat him. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing match just to, you know, see a player who's not particularly big or strong but really good shot selection good variety um and i really yeah i really enjoyed um you know watching that and obviously you know for nadal fans um you know to see him not lose a set and and beat Djokovic so easily after losing the last 14 sets to him was pretty amazing um and also to see uh Swiatek, you know come from nowhere to win the whole thing without losing a set um Pretty unheralded player, obviously 54 in the world. Lost one in love last year in the first round. Um, you know, uh, to um, I'm trying to think of uh, trying to think of a name who she lost to in the first round last year. But to win the whole thing, uh, that's why she lost one in love in the first round. Uh, Halep mm-hmm. to win the whole thing. Um, no one had really heard of her. She had a really good all court game. Um, I, I think that yeah, watching the French Open for me um, was certainly um, was certainly a highlight. Right. What would you say? So that's that's for you. What would you say if there are one one thing that the junior tennis players could learn from French Open? Uh, probably just uh, consistency. You know, every rally is um, you know longer than the U.S. Open. Um, you know, shot selection, uh, fitness. Uh, 
um, you know, it, the matches went for three, four, five hours. Um, but probably, probably consistency, just keep being able to keep the ball going, you know, not do anything crazy, um, add some variety as well, um, like I said, with the, with the drop shot. Um, and, um, yeah, just, just keep your opponent out there for as, you know, for as long as possible. Mm. Now, earlier you mentioned about drop shots. In my days, my coach never said, as I said, you know, drop shots is when you are not confident. Drop shots is when you just want to, you know, slow down the rallies. So, but that's back in the days. Now, in your, in, currently, everyone's starting to do drop shots. In your, in your coach's, I guess, your, your tip, what would you say one thing, one thing for uh, utilizing a good drop shot? Uh, I suppose just getting, you know, getting in that um, frame of mind where you're trying to give your opponent something they don't expect. So if, if you if you play very much the same one-dimensional style, um, regardless of how good you get, um, you're always going to be very predictable. If you can develop a, a drop shot or a slice backhand or something that's a little bit different to what everyone's doing. Um, it's amazing what an effect that can have, and um, you know a lot of players just do not like coming to the net um, if their opponent forces them to. So you know, trying to get that little bit of you know, um, I guess point of difference to your game is probably behind why I like to drop shot myself and why I try and you know teach it. It's just a kind of when you're on the court, you don't want to give your opponent what they expect. Mm. Now, I'm a big doubles player back in my days. I still do. Shout out to myself. Um, do you find it more rewarding doing drop shots and doubles? Um, as long as uh, your opponent doesn't hit one straight, you know, straight through you. Um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, I've, caught, I've, I've caught myself out a couple of times being a bit too cute. Um, so you've got to kind of do it in a way that your, your partner in particular... Um, you know, I think it's okay. You don't want to be sort of going drop shot crazy and, uh, you know, put them in an awkward position. Um, but probably you look at the, um, you know, you look at the current state of, say, the French Open, you know, the drop shot was being used a lot in singles. Um, you know, team was eight metres behind the baseline, um, you know, and, and Hubert just dropped, kept, you know, kept dropping the ball over the net. And, um, you know, it was kind of telling that in team's next match, he ran out of steam against Schwarzman. He'd been doing that much running. So I think in singles, it certainly gives you the opportunity much more than in doubles, where you've got two players that could get to the, could get to the ball, and there's probably less opportunity, because you've usually got one player at the net. Man, sound like you really, really love your French Open. In your opinion, if there are two clay surfaces or surfaces in in four Grand Slam, are we talking twenty five Grand Slams for Nadal right now? Um, well, he didn't lose a set, um, and you know they, they they said that this was the one that he was going to struggle in because of the weather. It was later in the year, mm-hmm. the court played differently, it was colder, so he had all these things that were supposed to um, play against him. And even Djokovic's coach was saying, "Oh, there's no way he's going to win." And he proved, proved everyone wrong. So, um, you know, I, I guess the thing now is they're both on 20. Um, and who's going to get to 21? Mm, okay. Now, just out of curiosity, who would you say your favorite player of all time? All time. Uh, probably... Uh, Jimmy Connors, just because uh, he's a lefty like me and um, played when I was growing up in the 70s and had a lot of success and, you know, pretty competitive and, and, and aggressive kind of player. I always liked that kind of style. Um, 
you know, I, I used to enjoy watching Leighton Hewitt play a lot of his Davis Cup matches. He was the same. Um, and, you know, someone that's just um, really, you know, super aggressive. And, and Asparty as well. Um, you know, she's a fantastic role model um, for girls coming up, to, you know, to play tennis, all-court game. Um, you know, very, very polished, very smart player, uses a drop shot as well. Would have been really interesting to see Ashbarty against Swiatek. Um, you know, I think Ashbarty would have been one of the only players with enough variety to, to kind of give her trouble. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens when those two um, play each other. Ash, unfortunately, couldn't play the French Open, so she couldn't defend her title. Um, but, um, you know, be very, it would be very interesting to see um, those two play. So, so, and, and look, and just in general for Australian tennis, um, you know, Asparty, you know, we've got a world number one, um, which hasn't happened in a long time. Um, you know, and I suppose the other one's also Johnny Millman, um, you know, just for the fact that he's hung in there. And, he, you know, he's, he's independent. He, um, you know, he speaks his mind. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of what he says about the, the tour and the change that need to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's, he's a, a very mature um, you know, um, and, and really represents Australian tennis really well. Now, just on um, Ashbarty and Swiatek earlier, you mentioned that um, I would love to see Iga versus Barty. So Iga with her forehand topspin versus mm-hmm. versus bad, uh, Barty's backhand slice down the line. I want to see that all day. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Um, and. Uh, you know that would have been an un, you know had they had they been able to play, um, and it, I, I think Ash would, would really trouble her because she can kind of think her way through. And we saw the French Open last year; mm-hmm. she didn't really blow anyone off the court, but she was just able to um, make it really uncomfortable for her opponents. And she yeah, she used a slice, um, she, you know, she used a serve, which is very underrated, and she just put players out of their comfort zone. And I think she would have had the potential to do that against Swiatek. Um, Swiatek got very comfortable playing against these players that did the same thing repeatedly and didn't, didn't give her anything, you know. They didn't, you know, get any slice backhands. They didn't mix it up at all. So it would have been, uh, yeah, very interesting to see. Nice. Okay. Now, um, you, earlier you mentioned that you, you played for Australia in ITF um, 45+. plus. Now, first and foremost, I give you a lot of credits because I was actually earlier this year at the ITF uh, seniors at Kuyong. And uh, the, the level of tennis and the intensity and the passion, man, um, it was uh, fantastic. Did you, just out of curiosity, did, did you play this one uh, earlier this year at Kuyong? Yes, I was hoping you were going to bring that up. <laughs> so, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so, so tell us what happened. Because, <laughs> well, I, um, I played a, uh, a very good play in the first round and uh, I ended up um, losing after uh, I had a bit of a... Uh, quite a you know considerable lead. Um, the player that I lost to um, played really well, and, and he went on to get to the final. Um, and uh, that was the last tournament um, I think uh, pretty much anyone's played. So um, you know that was one back in March, and um, so I was, hope- I was certainly hoping to do a bit better. But um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't to be. But um, I look back now and sort of think you know that was a great tournament, and you know the the that's the standard in every age group was incredibly high and um, you know obviously that would be great for you know everyone involved um, you know in the senior sort of to get back to playing some kind of tournament like that soon hmm. yeah that that tournament earlier this, this year at Kuyong not only it's international and I gotta say there was a lady she showed me a medal and she won the singles doubles and the mixed doubles she won all, all three all gold 
And um, I was just curious, you know, and I said, look, because um, I'm the sports trainer, you know, and then I was like, oh, so you play this many years, and she and she turned around, she goes, I won the 30, uh, no, I won the 40s, I won the 45s, and I won the 50s, and I won the 55s, I won the 60s. got cancelled um but you know there's plenty of tournaments around uh, australia which will still hopefully happen next year um which we're all you know everyone that's involved in seniors tournaments are all hoping will go ahead i suppose we'll just just have to wait and see um but that was certainly a highlight going going to miami and and, and it would have been great to get back because i agree tom i mean that the standard um at, at the world championships was, was was incredible um you know there was a guy um playing in the 45s um andre Cherkasov, who um, back in 1990, was 10 in the world, um, beat Agassi at the French Open, um, you know, and, and just to see players like that who were still playing, still competing, still incredibly fit, um, was, was, was certainly, um, you know, very, um, you know, very inspiring. Now, on the physical side, what would you say one or two tips for people who are, you know, in your age level and still want to compete in consistently in the high level? Um, what are some of the, uh, the conditioning tips? Um, I think it's just keeping up your overall fitness. Um, tennis is, you know, great because you can go out and play for a couple of hours and you, there you go, you've done your fitness. But I suppose as you get older, you've got to look at sort of preventative stuff. So you've got to try and maintain overall fitness so that you, when you get into a match, you don't have, you know, things letting you down. You don't get little needles and, you know, little injuries. And regardless of how old you are, you know, um, you know the fittest player generally will win, you know, and that's pretty much at, at any level. So mm. if you can kind of just maintain your fitness um, and, you know, so that you can avoid those injuries, um, which will allow you to get back on the court, um, will we'll go a long way to, um, you know, to uh, being able to play tennis, you know, regardless of how old you are. Nice. Now, before the combo, I mentioned that Tennis of Melbourne is about appreciation. So I'm sure you have a couple of names that you wanted to, to thank over the years. And uh, if you can always let our listeners know about um, where, where you coach, I think you said uh, Egomont. And so this is all your time now. So uh, Shane, it's all yours. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah, um, yeah, first of all, uh, again, just want to say thank you, Tom, for inviting me on the, on the show. I, I think um, you've done a great job for uh, tennis in Melbourne, um, over the, especially over the last 10 or 11 weeks when uh, there hasn't really been much to do. And it's, it's been really interesting to look at, see, you know, all the different players and coaches, um, you know, from the sport and what they've been up to and how they've been able to, you know, basically, you know, keep themselves sane so, that, so thank you for that Tom and um, yeah I'm the coach at Eagle Tennis Club and I've been there um, for 
close to 18 years uh, as the head coach, um, and uh, you know it's a great place to play tennis. Um, we're currently getting a new deck uh, put in at the moment, and um, you know we're certainly looking forward to getting back to uh, being able to use all the courts like we were. Um, so yeah, so just want to say thanks to everyone from um, Egmont Tennis Club that have um, you know helped out and made things um, made things easy for me as the as a, as a club coach, and um, certainly. I'd like to, you know, um, wish all the coaches that are back on the court um, today uh, in Metropolitan Melbourne um, good luck and, um, you know, hope everything goes well and, um, you know, look forward to uh, hearing more of, uh, you know, these conversations with you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. really appreciate it. You know, I always find myself like a... I don't know, I feel like a little kid when as soon as people turn around and go, oh, thanks, Tom. And I, because I'm always trying to, just trying to reach out and see how I can, you know, achieve a, a record of, you know, eight, one combo a, t- a day consecutively since the first lockdown. So if my memory served me right, it's yesterday was 191. So um, I don't think 200 will be my last, that's for sure. I don't know how long I'm going to go. I'm just kicking, keep going uh, whenever I can. And, and I'm all call this out if 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 your name is Roger Federer, if your name is you know all the you know the big players, even Jimmy Connors, if your name is even Rod Laver, you know, if you're listening, I would love to have a combo with you. How's that sound? <laughs> Perfect. That is absolutely perfect. And, and there's been a few people on um, on your show, Tom, that I've either coached or I've either you know been involved with, and it's been very interesting to see what they're up to. So um, you know, just having that, uh, you know, getting it out there on, on social media has been really good. And um, yes, uh, I wouldn't underestimate how much of an impact that's actually had on on people. Um, you know, particularly um, you know in this period of time when we couldn't go more than five k. And just on that, I would love to, and, and this is sort of my, my next uh, project, is that once the whole thing is more, I guess we, we, we can open up a lot of um, physical activity, I would love to just visit like local clubs, because I'm from the northern suburbs, so I would love to visit local clubs and, you know, sit down with coach uh, or even the players or even the parents, you know, face to face, you know, if there's any social distancing required, you know, obviously we'll, the, we'll do all the right things, but we actually sort of do a show where we can we allow the coaches because in my opinion Shane I'm not sure you can you 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 you'll feel this but in my opinion over time been watching around or being around tennis I really think that coaches are slightly underappreciated and this is just my opinion because I yeah. so many times where I feel like well this coach done so much for a player and player move on one from one coach to the next or one spot or even stop playing you know coaches still have to maintain that passion even he or she just call it quits or move on to, 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 to something else or someone else so a lot of times where coach have to live in the moment and give him or her the best for the player or the players or the squads and at times you know obviously dealing with you know whether it's conflict with parents or even conflict with players yes. it tends to be like I find it I need to create a space for coaches in this in this context is like I would love to reach out to you guys more you know whether for 
mental mental issues or mental health. You know, like I think it was the the, the figure says. I think we have like something like seventy percent coaches are male, and male mental male's mental health or men's men's mental health. It's slightly not so much um, talked about. So I want, I want to talk to you. You know, I don't want to get too all too dark, but the, the reality is this: is that in your experience over years and years of coaching, were there times where you hit a bottleneck and thinking, all right, what do I do? You know, who can I speak to? Who, who do you go to, and what are some of your resources or some of the outlets? Yeah, I, I probably agree with what you were saying about. To a certain extent, um, not necessarily folks being underappreciated, but people not maybe realising just what they do, and in many ways, what you see on the court—that's the easy stuff. It's all the other stuff. It's dealing with, um, you know, the different stakeholders in the sport. Might be on a committee, might be on a board. Um, dealing with parents, um, you know, dealing with um, a whole range of people, and don't necessarily think that people quite. Um, I understand the different roles that a coach has to play and increasingly, you know, coaches are, um, you know, playing more important roles even at their facilities. So, you know, there's a whole range of, you know, um, skills that a coach going into tennis today has to have. Mm. Um, and that's not including, you know, social media, marketing, uh, website, um, all, all those essential communication skills um, of running your own business. Um, and then there's challenge, there's, there's a whole range of challenges with that and um, you know like any small business um, there's going to be you know good times there's going to be bad times and a lot of the times there's you know uh, big challenges so I certainly agree that um, there's a lot of stuff you know a lot of things that coaches have to do with that people perhaps don't you know don't realize um look at, and look it's also a great job you're outside you're exercising you know you're dealing with you know people it's it's social from that point of view um every coach that gets on the court today is going to be thinking this is fantastic i've got the best job in the world um you know so there's, there's certainly you know but like any job, you know, positives and, and, and negatives. Um, I suppose um, for me, the positives far away the negatives. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be still doing it. Um, but um, you certainly, you know, you, you certainly, you know, make a good point as to whether, you know, people certainly appreciate the amount of work that coaches do. Hmm. Now, I'm slightly surprised when you say on the court is the easy stuff. <laughs> I thought you guys standing on the court, you know, three, five hours, you know, at a time or even longer, and then just watching, you know, just, you, you, you say that's the easy stuff or, like, I'm slightly surprised. I thought that's well, the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I, like, like I said, you know, there's a lot of organization that will go into a coaching program, it, it, depending on how many students you've got in your coaching program. Uh, and then there's dealing with, um, you know, you know, communicating effectively, communicating in a professional way, uh, emailing people, um, you know, organising classes, organising coaches. Um, there, there is a huge amount of work that needs to go on, you know, to running a professional program before you even step onto the court. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that a lot of people, unless you're a coach, really quite fully appreciate that. And, um, you know, I know for myself, I'd rather be on the court than making, you know, a whole, you know, huge number of phone calls or emails. But that's just, that's just part of what every coach has to do. Um, and, um, you know, not probably until you run your own business do you truly quite get that. Nice. Okay. Now, um, just on the side, outside the, um, the coaching and the player, there is a huge element that we all have to uh, work with, um, which is the parent's side. 
in your experience, what would you say one tip for tennis parents? Um, yeah, another very good question, Tom. Um, look, I, I think it's probably to, um, you know, if you are a parent, it, it is very easy to want to get involved and it's very easy to want to, obviously, you want the best for your child. Um, but, you know, when a child steps onto the court, you really want them to have the skills to figure out themselves um, how to problem solve. And so you really want to foster that idea of when you're on the court, you're independent. Um, because when they get to a certain level, um, you're not going to be able to help them. They're going to have to work it out for themselves. So they really need to learn that as early as possible. Certainly, it's very tempting just to be able to tell them what to do and all this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, you really want them to try and figure things out for themselves. In the long run, that's going to make them a better tennis player. Nice. Wow. All right, guys, um, uh, do apologize that the last um, few minutes of the convo um, had some technical issues. So I'm just going to stop here. Uh, I do again want to thank Shane for his, um, his stories and experience. So thank you very much, Shane. Um, yeah, and thanks everyone to, you know, for listening um, in, uh, on CastBox and, and Spotify. Um, so my name is Tom and um, looking forward to hear from you next time. Bye for now.